Early National Signing Day is officially in the books, and Penn State has a top 15 class for 2024. Daquan Hardy is set to leave Penn State for next season and a surprising flip after getting a commitment in the transfer portal. We're discussing all that more on this edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Staco, bringing you all things Penn State Nittany Lions coverage. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It is that simple. $150 bucks. If your team simply wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And we're talking about takeaways from early national signing day, what Penn State was able to do with this class of 2024. Excited to hear from you in the comments section on this live episode. Daquan Hardy announced that he's going to play in the bowl game, but he is going to be leaving. He is not coming back for the 2024 season. And Alan Heron, who was committed to Penn State out of the transfer portal, has flipped to Maryland, and there's no shot of getting him back. Before we discuss any of that, I, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, especially during this holiday season, thank you. I am extremely grateful for all of you as we have officially crossed 2,500 subscribers here on the YouTube channel for Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks to each and every one of you as the channel continues to grow, the audience continues to grow, and we can have more conversations about Penn State football, men's basketball, and so much more. Thank you for being a part of this discussion around Penn State athletics. Takeaways from early National Signing Day. Well, first and foremost, no drama. I mean, we'll discuss the Alan Heron situation upcoming, but no drama as far as flips out of the class of 2024. Penn State had 25 players that were verbally committed, and they all signed. That is a win. You didn't feel, with, with all of the different changes, right, you fired your offensive coordinator in the middle of the season, and you had a quarterback who was, right, committed committed more so to Penn State and James Franklin than, than Mike Yersich. I'm not saying Ethan Grunkmeyer's decision was ultimately based on Yersich, whether he was there or not, but Mike Yersich was the primary recruiter for Drew Aller, Ethan Grunkmeyer, Jackson Smolik, right? All of these, Bo Perbule, a little bit of a different situation. But you have to think with changing offensive coordinators like this, right? You commit to a different kind of Penn State versus what they are now. But there is a staple to all of this. James Franklin. James Franklin is the glue that holds all of this together. So not only that, you lose your defensive coordinator who is one of the best coaches to play for in the country. That's an honest truth that Manny Diaz, the impact that he had, I would say that he's an okay recruiter. I would say that there are better assistant coaches that are better than him at recruiting than he is. But I, I mean, the results speak for itself that he is one of the best assistant coaches in college football when he is in that spot. But you lose both of your coordinators, your second in command to James Franklin and you don't have anybody that decommits and says, I'm going to reevaluate. Even if they come back and, and recommit, right? You keep all of your primary targets. 
from the biggest names to players that, yeah, are their three stars they're going to have to develop, but hopefully they can live up to a better potential than what they have according to the recruiting sites. But no drama whatsoever. You didn't have to worry about any other outside schools trying to take players away. They seem to be all in 110%. That's what they say when they commit 110% Penn State. And the reason for that is James Franklin. James Franklin gets a lot of flack for, for different things. And I can understand it, right? You might not call a timeout correctly in a, in a, certain, in a certain place. They, the big games, other, other than, right, it, it's been to, since 2016, Penn State hasn't beaten Ohio State. I, I understand that. I do. And, and it's important to have that criticism. I'm not trying to brush that to the side. But James Franklin made this a point in his press conference on early National Signing Day. Commit to me, commit to Penn State University because he is honest. I like James Franklin's approach to recruiting a lot because other coaches are going to say things to get you onto campus every which way. And I do genuinely believe James Franklin when he says that we are open and we are honest with the players that we recruit. There are some things that we're going to tell them, hey, we're, you're not going to play right away. Hey, you're not going to wear this number because someone else is wearing it, right? And all, all those different things that coaches and recruiting coordinators will do to try to get players on campus. And, and James Franklin is truly the glue that holds it all together. He says, he told us, Commit to me and the university. Don't commit to an assistant coach because they might not be there in a couple of years. Manny Diaz, who knows what the conversations were about Mike Yersich because that was different. You weren't living up to the results. You don't have to fire anybody. But the reality of it was Manny Diaz at some point was going to leave. He mentioned J1 Sider and Anthony Poindexter potentially specifically. Specifically those two taking head coaching jobs in the future. Coach, are you trying to allude to something? Are you trying to let us know something that that's a realistic possibility? Because it is. It is. If you look at it, J1 Sider could be and should be a head coach in due time. Not tomorrow, maybe not a year from now, but two more seasons, three more seasons. I imagine that that's a conversation that they have had. And he, and he said that specifically with Quentin Martin and Corey Smith, the running backs that committed in 2024, commit to Penn State. Commit to James Franklin, myself. He said, commit to me. And J1 Sider, because he might not be there. So what else does that say? James Franklin seems pretty confident, pretty firm when he tells these players to commit to me. Some of my audience might say, that's great. That is a great thing. James Franklin is back. There's stability. He's not going anywhere. There, there's no doubt. Other people might say, I can't wait to get rid of this guy. <laughs> why, why is he so confident that he's going to be around for the foreseeable future? I'm not, I'm not interested in that discussion. I do like James Franklin as the head coach of Penn State. I've, I've made that very clear. Even with the it, Frank, 10, and, 10 and 2 season. 10 and 2 season. The New Year's Six Bulls. You're expanding to a 12-team college football playoff. Penn State is in the position that it is. Because of James Franklin, what, what other coach would be able to do what, it, what James Franklin has done despite the sanctions, despite being behind an NIL, despite being behind with the facilities? Comment section is wide open, so please have this discussion with me. 
But that that really is the main takeaway from early National Signing Day is that despite all of these changes, despite all of these different co- competing factors, NIL, transfer portal, showing you know the struggles that they had, and this group of twenty five players, very talented group, top fifteen class, didn't budge, didn't move, nobody wavered. And you got to give a lot of credit to to James Franklin for being that glue to hold to hold it all together. So yes, does Franklin have some shortcomings? Absolutely. What what coach doesn't? But the way that he runs this program in the age of college football, in this age of college football, which goes beyond just putting putting a playbook together, it's about building staffs, building a team being able to recruit, being able to now do all of this extra business stuff with NIL. You have to re you have to recruit high school players, but now your own team, guys that you already recruited. It, it, it's a difficult situation. Are some better at it? Yes, but they're also in a different situation and different environment. James Franklin can succeed at Penn State. Penn State can succeed with James Franklin. I don't I don't know how many other places, right? You can't just plug and play any coach in Alabama. Nick Saban succeeds at Alabama because those two mutually benefit from one another. I hope my point is clear with that. It's the same thing with Penn State and James Franklin. You can't just drop any coach and say, yep, they're going to get a national title. They have to fit with Penn State, and Penn State has to fit with that coach. Okay, It's the same thing with just about any other program, and, and that's my point. So uh, a couple other takeaways here. And let's talk about the class of 2024 specifically, a few players. So James Franklin mentioned this. Quentin Martin and Corey Smith are the two running backs in the class, but he says that they could play wide receiver. There's a need. There's a need. He mentioned how they were very comfortable in the passing game and utilized as pass catchers at the high school level, something that was different. Nicholas Singleton was not. Nicholas Singleton, five-star Gatorade player of the year, right? I understand all the accolades and the performance as a running back, but as a pass catcher, there's been a a longer, a lengthier development there. Quentin Martin and Corey Smith are are different in this case, and they're, they're going to have, they're going to struggle to see the field because you have two future NFL draft picks. I I would say high NFL draft picks, all conference players. We know that. I'd like to I'd like them to live up to all America potential, but Singleton and Allen are not losing any snaps because these two guys are coming in as freshmen. But when you're not getting the players out of the transfer portal that you want, and these guys have shown some ability in the passing game, who's to say that Corey Smith couldn't play a little bit of slot receiver? Who's to say that Quentin Martin with that, you know, six foot plus frame couldn't go on the outside and be used as these these guys are athletes at their purest form. And if they can catch a football and run some routes, why not give it a try to see what you have? I don't think there's anything to lose because there, there's a need for wide receiver. There's not a need at the moment for running back. Now, when Singleton and Allen leave, yeah, you need a number one and a number two immediately. And that's what those guys can do. But if you want to get them on the football field purely as athletes, you can do that or at least get them, see what they can do in practice. And if it doesn't work out, scrap it, fold it, do something else. But I thought that was interesting that he made that note unprovoked that Martin and Smith could play some wide receiver if things go well. Another player I want to highlight that James Franklin was asked about directly, Cooper Cousins. 
Cooper Cousins, I think, is game day division one ready. Between the frame at six foot six, projects at 330 pounds. He's already listed at 315. James Franklin said he was 330. And he called him positionless. Could play center, either of the guards, either of the tackle spots. Penn State's got to need a tackle. Caden Wallace isn't coming back. We haven't heard from Olu Fashionu, but come on. Right, right? It's no secret. You're going into the NFL draft. Javen Williams, Drew Shelton, as talented as they are, you need tackle depth. And when we talk about Alan Heron, things get a little bit cloudier at that spot. What, what do you do? Cooper Cousins, as a true freshman, as a mean blocking machine, could certainly see some reps as a true freshman. There's a lot of early enrollers, too. Just under half of this class is going to enroll early. I think I have that right. But these are the early enrollees for those who are curious. Liam Andrews, defensive tackle. Antoine Belgrave, shorter, corner. Egan Boyer, offensive tackle. Josiah Brown, wide receiver. DeAndre Cook, defensive lineman. Cooper Cousins, as I mentioned. T.A. Cunningham, defensive tackle. Xavier Gilliam, defensive tackle. Quarterback Ethan Grunkmeyer. Jalen Harvey, defensive end. Kari Jackson, linebacker, Quentin Martin. John Mitchell, cornerback, Luke Reynolds, tight end, Garrett Sexton, offensive tackle, and Vabu Torre, safety. Maybe maybe some spots at linebacker, but I think he's going to be a true safety in this class. So those are your early enrollees. Um, and you would like to see as many people enroll early as possible to, to get the weight, to get used to as much of the speed of college football as possible. But these guys all get a head start. And that's good for them. Tom Allen also had an introductory press conference. And I, I like what he had to say. I like that he he showed appreciation to the roots of Penn State. Being linebacker, you, def defense has traditionally been the staple of, of Penn State. It hasn't been powerhouse juggernaut offenses. It's been the stifling defenses over decades and decades. All right, Penn State doesn't quarterback you. You would like them to be. But they're linebacker, you. And I like, I just like the way that Tom Allen, right? I, I like, I like his voice. He just seems like a defensive guy. It, it just, you have, you can see the energy almost. He, he was very excited. It wasn't, you know, yeah, I'm here. Uh, I'm taking the job. It was, it was this excitement ready to go. He admitted the difficulties of being a head coach at the big 10, at the big 10 level. And he seemed happy. He seemed glad that he was actually going back into a defensive coordinator role because here, here's the difference. James Franklin likes being the head coach, the CEO of the program. I'm not saying that Tom Allen doesn't, but Tom Allen is more of a football guy where I just want to go into the video room, look at tape, X's and O's, develop game plans, work one-on-one -on -one with players, whereas James Franklin recruiting alumni dinners, coaches show, talk show appearances, right? All these different things that going into being a head coach while working with, you know, every, every single group, Tom Allen, he just said, I, I get to coach defense again. And that's very exciting. So Tom Allen, and he also got an appropriate question, got the appropriate question. Will you be here? Will you be here? Uh, you know, in due time, are you looking for a head coaching job? he said, well, I am older, you know, I'm here to coach Penn State, and that's fine. He gave the public relations answer. 
but he also made a point about his age. He said he was 53. That that doesn't that tells me more that you could be inclined to go back into a head coaching spot if the right opportunity opens up for you. I don't blame you. I don't, but don't get the impression that Tom Allen's going to be a lifer at Penn State as the defensive coordinator. You would like him to stay for three, four, five years before taking that jump, not two years, you know, two in and, and immediately you leave like a Manny Diaz. It would be ideal if he stuck around as long as a Brent Pry did in that spot. But Tom Allen's been a head coach. He's probably going to want the opportunity again. Has no ties to Pennsylvania. I mentioned that on the episode when these everything was all but final, right? The agreement just was there. It just wasn't signed that Allen was going to be the defensive coordinator. And we talked about that, that Allen is from Indiana. If something opens up that's a little closer to, maybe he finds, maybe he finds his new home at Penn State. That's totally a possibility. But Tom Allen says, well, I'm 53. You know, my, my objectives have changed. Pete Carroll, I, I know Pete Carroll's different and he's in the NFL, but Pete Carroll's 72 and he's a head coach. I don't think age has anything to do with it. Depends where you're comfortable and everybody wants to be better. And head coach, leading a program, leading a team is the highest goal. It's the same thing. Players going to the NFL. Players don't want to just settle for college football. They want to play in the NFL. Those are, those are the, ta- those, in short, those are the takeaways from early National Signing Day. Daquan Hardy announced that he is going to be leaving for the 2024 NFL draft. However, he is going to be playing in the bowl game. Let's discuss on the other side of this break. And today's episode is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It is easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Then add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. Spread the word that you are, in fact, hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills, just the right experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then hire. It's why small businesses write LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and helps you find and talk to the qualified candidates faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And the Locked On Podcast Network has officially launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus the national shows covering each and every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Locked On Making some history. Let's talk about Daquan Hardy. So Hardy officially now announces that he is going to enter the NFL draft, but he's going to play in the Peach Bowl. So you get some good news. You get a veteran cornerback going up against an Ole Miss passing attack that is more than respectable. Jackson Dart, the three veteran wide receivers. You need all of your you need all of your best talent for this one. Johnny Dixon's unofficial opt-out. I'm still not sure of that, what to make sense of that. We have vague reporting that he's expected to opt-out, but hasn't released an official statement saying, 
yeah, I'm not playing in the bowl game. He did accept an invitation to the senior bowl. We know that much, but he hasn't said he's entering the draft. And he hasn't said that he's opting out of the bowl game, like I said, other than a brief report that he's expected to. However, we're now anticipating, with all that being said, that Hardy, along with along with Johnny Dixon, and then what's Kalen King doing? Kalen King was, once upon a time, a top 15 pick, potentially, in next year's draft. Had an okay season. Definitely didn't live up to the standard. And now you're thinking, okay, why, why is he taking so long to make a decision? Because I thought he was going to opt out. It re- Regardless of the draft stock, right? I thought that he was going to opt out, even if he was going to be a second or a third round pick and just focused on the NFL draft. But in Daquan Hardy, let's, let's start with Daquan Hardy and, and talk about him. You're, you're losing a veteran player. You're, you're losing your starting slot corner. You're also losing your starting punt returner now. Caden Saunders had had the reps there, but Tequan Hardy has a lot of value in this case between the veteran experience, one of the older guys in the locker room, the the depth, the the capabilities that he provided at corner. Penn State secondary took a step forward when he came back. Remember, he missed those games early on, and then when he came back, interceptions. He played a great game against Ohio State, but he didn't really have to go up against Marvin Harrison Jr. that often. That was Johnny Dixon and Kalen King who really had to take the uh, the rough side of that but Daquan Hardy Ohio State had to change its game plan couldn't attack the middle of the field as much because who was there in the slot Daquan Hardy so this is a massive loss I would say if you were able to bring him back you would have checked off so many boxes for this 2024 team but like I've said about everybody else that has opted out that has the extra year of COVID eligibility Daquan Hardy's probably just tired of college football right He's almost into his mid-20s, right? 22, 23 years old. How many years of college football can you... Now, I know some people, Sean Clifford came back for the sixth season, and it benefited him. Daquan Hardy coming back for another season at Penn State, what does that ultimately do? He's had those conversations. He's probably thought about it for himself. What more could he do that he hasn't proven already? I feel like Sean Clifford actually legitimately had something to prove and look what it turned into, a fifth-round draft selection by the Green Bay Packers and being the number two corner uh, quarterback. Daquan Hardy's case, Daquan Hardy showed that he has the potential to be a special teams gamer and a starting punt returner somewhere in the NFL. That can get you drafted, right? Do you want to risk that status of potentially going back to undrafted because the year before, Daquan Hardy was not going to be drafted, and it made sense for him to come back going into 2023. And now in 2024? It doesn't. You also have to think about this. In order to play college football, you have to attend college. You have to take classes. These guys have graduated. Daquan Hardy is finished with school and probably done with taking classes. Unless he wants to get some sort of, right? Olu Fashion, who had a master's degree to finish up. Hunter Norzad had a master's degree to finish up. That's that's kind of the difference. Everything has to align. It's not just, this isn't, Yes, this is minor league football to an extent because of NIL conference realignment, all the rest, right? The money that's being poured into it. It feels like minor league football. But don't forget, they're student athletes. And Caden Wallace and Daquan Hardy are just probably tired of playing football. They're also probably just finished with school. And it's time to go into their actual careers of playing football at the next level. So this decision makes a lot of sense. It it does. Now, 
the impact of it is you have to potentially replace three cornerbacks because at least for right now, Kalen King projects to go into the NFL. There's an argument, there's a case that he could come back because of the dip in the draft stock. And I'm starting to lean that way because he also has a twin brother, Kobe King, who I don't think is entering the NFL draft this cycle. Makes sense for him to do that in 2025. And why not your two, the two twin brothers go together rather than one leave and, and one stay behind? I could see that happening. So, but you, you're relying now on a 50-50 chance. I think Penn State needs to prepare for the idea that we're losing all three of our starting veteran cornerbacks who are talented. Kalen King is talented, even though he had a down year. Johnny Dixon played well past the expectations that he had. And Daquan Hardy had a much better season in 2023. And all those guys were not, they were not first-year starters, right? These guys, I guess Johnny Dixon, to an extent, was kind of a co-starter in 2022, first-year full starter in 2023. The guys that saw a lot of reps over the past two, three seasons. Hardy's been playing for Penn State on the field for quite some time. Now you got to look to the future. What's your depth there? Do you consider going to the transfer portal? Cam Miller, not necessarily a co-starter, but that fourth cornerback when someone needed to go in, his name was called. Elliot Washington was, was, I don't know, I can't speak to if he was injured or what was going on, but he started, wasn't really playing as much down the stretch. Do we see him in the bowl game? King Mack saw a good amount of playing time as a true freshman. King Mack would naturally become your replacement for Daquan Hart. Elliot Washington and Cam Miller are your replacements for your boundary corner spots. Those guys are talented, but they would all be first-year starters again in an expanded conference that is welcoming in not high prolific defenses, but those juggernaut offenses and those strategic minds, Kalen DeBoer, Chip Kelly, Dan Lanning, right? Lincoln Riley. Those are all offensive guys. They're not defensive minds. They're offensive. And I know you're not facing all of them, but what I'm getting at is in the toughest schedule, probably in recent Penn State memory, you're going up again. You're now going into that with a secondary that has a lot of question marks. Safety spot seems pretty good, right? You're going to return KJ Winston and Jalen Reed, but your quarterbacks are going to have to step up. And I would consider going to the transfer portal to try to get another veteran. Don't forget about Audavian Collins. I, I, I actually got to talk to Terry Smith with the associate head coach, right? Coaching up, uh, coaching in the secondary alongside Anthony Poindexter, and he mentioned Elliot Washington, Cam Miller, Audavian Collins. So Penn State isn't completely, you know, completely lacking of depth, but they definitely need to figure something out and probably get some re reinforcements with what is coming to the Big Ten next season. In the transfer portal, James Franklin said that they're not a transfer portal team. Well, that continues to be the case. So coaches, at least honest with us as media members, Alan Heron surprisingly silently flips to Maryland and signs with the Terrapins. How did this all happen? We're discussing on the other side of the break in just a moment. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. And right now, new customers get 100 
$50 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is 150 bucks if your team simply wins. Any team you want to pick, they win, you get $150. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. I use FanDuel, actually. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over, unders, and more. Right now, Penn State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite with a total set at 48-and-a-half against Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl. If you like those lines, visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL. Keep playing along with the NFL season and college football. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And in this final segment, we're discussing what just happened in the blink of an eye. So it seemed like Penn State had a few commits out of the transfer portal. And now Alan Heron has gone from Penn State verbal commit to Maryland signee, interestingly enough. Heron silently flipped and signed, actually signed on the dotted line with the Maryland Terrapins. And how did this news break? Well, Mike Loxley and Maryland on signing day announced and, you know, said, hey, here are all our high school commits and talked about the transfer portal commits as well. And Alan Heron's name conveniently showed up on the list. I can't make any sense of that because Heron, uh, you know, went, was at Penn State, one of the first visits he took and then posted about it on social media. Seemed like everything was going well, and then quietly took a visit to Maryland and ultimately signed with them. I understand maybe verbally committing or at least having the due respect of, hey, I'm decommitting from Penn State. I appreciate you know what the coaches have done for me, and then flipping to Maryland, but not in this case. So there's there's no chance at Heron possibly coming back. Again, just a little bit of background on Heron. I don't want to make a, a, too much of a big deal about this. Heron was going to be a depth piece. Division two tackle, shorter university, a team that went three and eight last season. Uh, you, this is definitely a project type of player. Maybe Maryland sees him differently. And when I was talking about Heron originally as, as a prospect, I said, I don't know how much Penn State can compete. I liked Penn State's chances of landing him. But I also said, if a team views him as a starter and says he can come in and play right away, how does Penn State compete with that? Because Penn State's pitch was, you can come in and take the J.B. Nelson route. We're going to develop you because at the Division I, Big Ten level, you're not going to be an instant starter. There are some things we need to work on. Maryland's pitch is probably different because Maryland doesn't have the same caliber of offensive linemen that Penn State does. And not... I, I did not really care to see Maryland fans talking trash about flipping away a Division II offensive lineman from Penn State's transfer portal commitment list because I prefer to take Chop Robinson and Jalen Harvey. I prefer to take just about every single blue chip recruit from the state of Maryland choosing Penn State over the Terrapins. So Maryland fans, you can have Alan Heron. We'll take P.J. Mustafer, Chop Robinson, Jalen Harvey, deny Dennis Sutton. Do you want me to continue? Because I can. It seems like all of the top Maryland players go everywhere else, particularly Penn State. But I'll rest my case there. 
let's get back to the conversation about the Nittany Lions specifically. There is a needed offensive tackle. I've already said that in this show. There is a needed offensive tackle. You have Drew Shelton and Javen Williams right now as your projected starters for next year. Javen Williams, top offensive line recruit in the class of 2023, top Pennsylvania prospect in 2023. Drew Shelton, former four-star, very talented, got some starting experience as a true freshman, and then got to practice on both sides of the line, left tackle and right tackle. So he has the experience because I could see a scenario where Javen Williams is the left tackle because that's his natural spot. Andrew Shelton, because he's had the experience more so at right tackle playing that spot. And I'm good with those two guys as starters. One first-year starter, but all the potential in the world, right? Olu Fashion, who was a three-star, and look what he turned into. What could Javen Williams do with the right amount of coaching with Phil Troutwine and James Franklin? But, outs- but after that, that chart isn't too flattering for the, for the Nittany Lions. And that's why I say Cooper Cousins could come in and compete right away because there's a lot of room for competition at the tackle spot, both sides, the blind side and right tackle. You could shift. I know that JB Nelson has been taking some reps at at the tackle spot. Do you consider shifting him out? Especially like this, a lot of this hinges on is Javen Williams ready to go? Is he ready to start? Is he ready to take over for Olu fashion or maybe Caden Wallace? I don't know what Penn state's decision is ultimately because both those guys can play left tackle. But which one is the better of the two, or where do you have more value at each spot? Because if Drew Shelton's better at right tackle than Javen Williams, you don't want to put him there just because Drew Shelton, just because Drew Shelton can play both sides. You want to get the best abilities of both the two guys. But what happens if they're not available? What happens if, uh, you know, knock on wood, wooden desk? What happens if one of them is hurt? I'm looking at the depth chart up on my screen and an unofficial depth chart. I actually use ourlads.com. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that, but Chimney Ono is one of the other listed tackles, and then there's nobody else. Penn State has five listed tackles. Olu Fashionu, Caden Wallace, Javen Williams, Drew Shelton, and Chimney Ono. Alex Birchmeyer is a possibility. He's probably going to compete for a tackle spot or at least reps or somewhere on the depth chart. You have all these offensive line recruits in the class of 2024, but not all of them are game day ready tackles. Cooper Cousins is. Cooper Cousins is six foot six, 330 pounds right now. Egan Boyer and Garrett Sexton probably have to add on about 50 pounds each before they're ready to go. And that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't even happen in uh, in an early enrollment. You need an off season and then you need an early enrollment, a full season, and then some to be ready to go as a redshirt freshman. So that's my point. You're going to have to go back to the transfer portal. Alan Heron was important. It's not the biggest loss in the world, but it was important because you got a backup tackle. You got more depth. You got more bodies for practice. Penn State couldn't run a spring game a, a, a couple of years ago or had to modify it, have a makeshift one because they didn't have the available players. At, they had too many injuries at offensive lines. So yeah, Penn State's going to be back in the transfer portal looking for probably multiple offensive linemen in this case. I'm sure they've already had the conversations, but Alan Heron provided some value, provided some depth. It's not the end of the world because this was a long-term project. He was only going to see the field if there was a worst-case scenario. Guys weren't ready. Injuries were piling up. Maryland, he might start. That'll be. I've already seen uh, on X, people have said, I can't wait for that hypothetical matchup of Deny Dennis Sutton and Alan Heron. Who's going to win that matchup? Nine, probably 100 times out of 100. I don't even need to give you a hint. 
DDS. Yeah. So Penn State does need to go back to the transfer portal. It has not been good. You have Chase Meyer the, to create some competition on special teams at the kicker spot, but no Julian Fleming to this point, and he's been projected for to Penn State over a week. I'm going to have some more thoughts on this. Brian Smith and I, the recruiting expert of Locked On, have recorded another episode talking about the recruiting transfer portal for Penn State's objectives, and it's going to be up on Friday, December 22nd. So I appreciate everyone who checked out this episode, and it's game time for Penn State men's basketball. So thanks so much for checking out this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. Become an everydayer. Subscribe to YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts for more conversations around Penn State sports.